invite you to open your Bibles to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. We're going to read verses 7 through 16 tonight, 7 through 16. So Acts chapter 20, verses 7 through 16. Please pray with me. Father, we are about to open your word again today on this Lord's Day. And we pray that your word would again challenge us, um, would impact our hearts, would convict us, and shape us to be more like Jesus. We thank you for your word, and I pray that you would take whatever I have prepared, Lord, and, and throw it out if it doesn't agree with what you want us to hear tonight. But Father, may your will be done, and we thank you for your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts chapter 20, verses 7 through 16. Hear the word of the Lord. On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them, intending to depart on the next day. And he prolonged his speech until midnight. There were many lamps in the upper room where they had gathered, and a young man named Eutychus sitting at the window, sank into a deep sleep as Paul talked still longer. And being overcome by sleep, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. But Paul went down and bent over him, and taking him in his arms, said, Do not be alarmed, for his life is in him. And when Paul had gone up and had broken bread and eaten, He conversed with them a long while until daybreak, and so departed. And they took the youth away alive, and were were not a little comforted. But going ahead to the ship, we set sail for Assos, intending to take Paul aboard there, for he, so he, so as he had arranged, intending himself to go by land. And when he met us at Assos, he where we took him on board and went to Miataline. And sailing from there, we came the following day opposing Chios, and the next day we touched at Samos, and the day that we and the day after we went to Miletitis, for Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus so that he might not spend time in Asia, for he was hastening to be at Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, again, we have read your word, and we pray that you would impress it upon our hearts. Make us more like Jesus than when we leave this place than when we came in. Do not let these words hang out in between these walls, but Lord, Holy Spirit, impress them upon our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. So I was preaching at an evening service one August evening in my first church in Minnesota, and it was hot. 
it was very hot and the sun was beating into the windows like it does on these hot August nights in Minneapolis. And as I was preaching, I noticed slowly, person over there starting to nod, eyes were closing, and then they were gone. And then over here, there was another one. And then over there, there was another one. And then over there, it was just so hot in that room, and everybody was being lulled to sleep. Now, I have to confess, one of my biggest fears as a pastor is that people will fall asleep when I'm preaching. And so this passage lets you know that you're taking your life into your own hands if you do. So, our passage tonight is a short one, but it, and it's one that's been applied in many ways um, over the years by pastors and congregation members alike. You know, I've seen pastors use this passage as an opportunity to warn congregation members about the dangers of falling asleep in church. You know, you may fall off your seat and crack your noggin on the floor, they say. Um, I've seen others over-spiritualize this story as a warning against falling asleep in your faith. I've also seen congregation members and, and writers use this passage as a warning to pastors about not having long, boring sermons and cautioning pastors that if they are too boring or not funny enough or don't tell enough goofy stories about themselves or, not, or if they're too monotone, that their congregations may die in their seats. Now, I do believe that God's word and a preached message should be engaging. This is the word of God after all. Uh, It is fascinating. It is captivating. It is life-changing. And a pastor should relate those truths in preaching. um, But it also is on the hearers to receive God's word as well. So if this passage is not a warning about falling asleep during a sermon, what is it about? What is it about? Why is this story in our scriptures? Now, to answer that, I I think we need to explore this passage a little bit more because there are wonderful truths that we get to celebrate in this passage. So what's going on in this story? What is happening? Well, you have Paul and his crew have just arrived in Troas, and they are on their way back to Jerusalem to see Um, the church there in Jerusalem. And they are making the journey back across across the lands and the churches, visiting people as they go. And in the verses previous to what we read, we hear that this takes place just after the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So what what, uh, Christian holiday is that right around? What? Easter. Yeah, it's Easter. So this is Easter season, Easter season, and, the, and, and Paul and, and his crew are all together, and Paul is, is preaching and, and speaking to the, to the people, and this is Easter season. That is important to remember in this passage. It is five days after the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and around seven days or so in that range, depending on where, um, if you read the previous verses, I can't pinpoint what day it is, but we know it's Sunday because it's the first day of the week. So Paul is preaching, and he is preaching a long time, and he is speaking to the people before he goes to Jerusalem, getting every nugget and every morsel that he can get in to teach and encourage the people. 
So that is the setting here. It's Easter season. Let's keep that in mind. But who is Eutychus? We don't know much about him except what we find in these few verses. We know that he is a young man, and we know that his name means, anybody know what his name means? Fortunate. Fortunate. That's apt, right? Fortunate. So why is Eutychus sleeping in a window? He's a young man, and it's very likely that he's been working all day long. And he has come after work, most likely, and he has come to worship with God's people. He's a young man. Young man. Isn't it remarkable that after all of that day's time that he has had, that he is now here? He is worshiping, and there is no other space for him. Instead of going back home, he goes and he sits in a window. He goes and sits in a window, and he is listening. Now, there is a commitment and a value placed on the gospel that makes him unable to leave, unable to walk away. How many of us, if we've had a hard night of sleep or where we've had just a hard time sleeping or woken up a lot or a long weekend, would much rather just sleep in on a Sunday morning or take a longer Sunday afternoon nap instead of coming and worshiping together? Or... How often do we choose not to do a Bible study or not to spend time in personal devotions because there's a football game on or there's something else that we would rather do? But here is Eutychus, likely after a full day of work, saying with his actions, with his feet, that the gospel is worth it. The gospel of Jesus Christ and the scriptures and the time in the scriptures with the church is worth it. He could have gone home, but there is a faith evident in his actions because he is there. You know, the early church leaders uh, regarded Eutychus as an example to young people. Uh, John Chrysanthem um, mentioned him in particular as, a, as an example to young people, and I think he's an example to us all. He arrived late, he took his seat in the window, and most likely, you know, nobody saw him falling asleep because they were all fixated on what Paul was saying. But can you imagine that moment when Eutychus fell? Can you imagine that? In the midst of Easter celebrations, Paul coming and speaking to the people, And this youth, this young man, sitting in the window, listening, and he falls asleep after midnight. Can you imagine that moment? Falling from the third story window and crashing to the ground. I don't know about you, but that makes my skin not feel good. The passage says that he was taken up dead. And remember, Luke is writing this. Luke is a doctor. Luke knows what death looks like. So they took him up dead. This young man, full of life, coming and worshiping with God's people, listening so intently, and he falls asleep, and he falls literally to the ground. How much more of a drastic, gruesome example of death could those there that night witness. 
to see the body of that teenager broken and bloody and lifeless in the arms of those who rushed down to help him. And then Paul comes down too. Paul comes down and he throws himself on the boy. Does it remind you of anything in the Old Testament? Does it remind you of anybody? Yeah, what is it? What? Elijah and Elisha, right? Both do the same thing. Throw themselves on the boy that was dead. Both raising them from the dead. So Elijah is in 1 Kings 17, if you want to look it up later, and Elisha is in 2 Kings 4. So Paul throws himself on the boy, and he says, Don't be alarmed. Don't worry. He is alive. He is alive. Doesn't that echo something that you read in Mark 16 too? The angel speaking, don't be alarmed. He is alive. I don't know about you, but Easter time, Easter worship, and you see this gruesome picture of death, but then also this amazing miraculous healing and restoration and resurrection from the dead. This is a picture to the church of the amazing power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ right there in their midst. And how do they respond? How do they respond? It almost seems like they just go up to the room and they just keep going like nothing happened, right? But it says that they broke bread together. It's what we did this morning in communion. They gave thanks. They gave thanks and they worshipped. The response of the church in seeing the resurrection power in front of them is worship. We read through that part so quickly. But they celebrate the tremendous power of the resurrection together, giving thanks to God for Eutychus's restoration and resurrection that came through the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. So what do we take away from this story? I think we see this picture of Eutychus's faith. And I think it challenges me, and I hope it challenges you too, with this question. And it's, are we willing to give up comfort, to give up sleep, to give up security for the sake of the gospel and growing deeper in God's word? Are we willing to give up those things to grow deeper in God's word and for the sake of the gospel? How does this experience change Eutychus? Obviously, he's alive, right? We know nothing in the scriptures after this point in Eutychus's life. But church tradition, excuse me, church tradition has stories about Eutychus after this. Now we can't prove any of this, but in the Coptic tradition, so the tradition out of Egypt um, and the uh, Coptic Orthodox Church, um, Eutychus is, is said to become a disciple of St. John the Evangelist. And after that, he spent some time uh, um, with, with John. He asked for permission to go to Paul and spend time with Paul. And after that, he, he, as, as he's with Paul, he's said that he's preaching in the name of Jesus all the way, all the way to Paul and all the way after. 
And he returned many Jews and pagans to the Lord Christ and baptized many of them, church tradition says. It also says that he converted temples of idols to churches, and he endured tribulations, imprisonment, and beatings for many days. It also says he was cast in fire, but he wasn't harmed, and was cast to the lions, but didn't harm him, but rather became friendly to him. In the end, he went to Sebastia and preached there, and he established a church there. This is all church tradition. I can't prove it. But how do you think Eutychus was changed after being resurrected from the dead? Had to have changed his life in a powerful and amazing way. So what do we take away from the story? It's Eutychus's faith. And it challenges us to give up our comfort, our sleep, our security for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. But I think we also have to take away from this story a tremendous wonder and awe at the power of the resurrection. Eutychus fell three stories to his death. If anyone was questioning or wasn't certain that the resurrection of Jesus Christ was possible, that took away any doubt right then and there. How much wonder do we have at the resurrection of Jesus? It is the power of the gospel that we claim, that our sins, that in our sins we are utterly dead and lifeless and doomed. Not just a little bit, but completely. There is no escape. But faith in Jesus Christ and his resurrection means that change is possible. That life is possible. That we have it gifted to us by God's grace. This is the power of the gospel in our midst. So we should walk away from this passage, not wondering about whether or not we should fall asleep or not in church, but wondering at the tremendous power of the gospel in our lives, the tremendous power of the resurrection in our lives. You know, if this story was about the evils of falling asleep or falling asleep in our faith, if it was about that, Eutychus would have stayed dead. Because that would be a warning, right? End of story. But it's not the end of the story. This passage points us toward the tremendous and wonderful reality that the gospel of the resurrection of Jesus Christ has real power in our life. Real power to bring life from the dead. Real power to change hearts and lives. So do you know that power in your life? In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please pray with me. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for giving us new life. Just saying those words, Jesus, just seems so small. But you have done it. You have made us new in you. You have given us the power 
of your Holy Spirit to live out this life and live it eternally for you and your glory. May we never grow tired and weary of finding new ways to, to express our gratitude and our thanksgiving for your grace. May that be our life song with every moment of every day, giving you thanks and praise for your goodness in our lives. Continually lead us to worship you every single day, in every moment, wherever you lead us, Lord. May you lead us to worship, and may that worship point others to you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, I want to invite you to stand and receive God's blessing. As we go and as you go, may the love of God the Father, the grace of Jesus Christ, and the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit be and remain with you all. And all God's people said, Amen. Let's sing. 379, Blue Hymnal. Verses 1, 4, and 5.